Okay, so just as a humble, gentle reminder, a billion, a billion with a B, is a thousand millions. And just to put that in perspective, if you wanted to see what a billion dollars looked like, you could take a $100 bill, a Benjamin, and lay it flat on the table and then continue to lay them flat one on top of the other. And you would have to go about 32 miles up into outer space, 32 miles high to have a stack of one billion. Five and a half billion dollars of losses now incurred through basically the first month of this strike, according to Anderson Economic Group. And there's no end in sight. It's a new record for the 21st century. Joining us is Kaylee Hall, business and auto reporter at the Detroit News. Kaylee, bring us up to speed. We talked about this yesterday, but it seems like it just continues to evolve. What's going on? Yeah, Yeah, we're in day 26 of a unprecedented national strike against the Detroit Three. Um, There's been some progress, though. I don't think it's all bad news. Um, You know, we've, we've seen the automakers move up on certain things. And last Friday, we shockingly saw that GM is going to include its battery plants into the master agreement that it has with the UAW, which um, came as a surprise. Uh, the devil is in the details on that. We don't know what it means exactly, how they will include those employees in, in the master agreement since the uh, battery plants are joint ventures with other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have seen progress in, in various areas of wages, uh, reductions of the, the tiers. Ford is now saying that you can get to the top wage after three years of working there, which is down from eight. Um, so but the union is, is obviously pushing for more on certain things. Has the tide, Kaylee, turned at all in the eyes of Detroit news readers, the ones you hear comments on that what you see on socials? Initially, this looked to be a very kind of heroic, you know, carry the torch move for the UAW. We need to, to yeah. get these people more rewarded. Has it started to shift at all in the public eye towards, okay, now we're getting a little too big for our britches? Let's bring this to an end because we keep on hearing the word progress over and over mm-hmm. and over again on the mm-hmm. news. But every day now there's new there's new layoffs. Yeah, I think there's definitely a mix of, of, of feelings on it. Um, I do get some folks who email me saying, you know, this is they, they've gotten so much. It's time it's time that they they end this. Um, obviously, concerns about the layoffs and the economic impact. But I think a lot of people are. You know, we, we're seeing across the country, uh, labor movement is strong. Um, and to make things all the more interesting, Unifor, the the union representing Canadian Detroit Three Auto Workers, last night called a strike against GM. So um, I think the labor movement is even strong globally. Um, we continue to see a lot of support for folks on the picket line. And I haven't seen it die down, I guess, in the public eye, but Maybe, of course, I do get some emails here and there saying sure. enough is enough. And a great amount of that is is subjective. As we know, the EV thing was was a, a pretty big win for the UAW. Have you seen, what would you call a, a, a moderate to big win for any of the big three in the last couple of weeks? Has there been one feather that they can throw in their cap at this point? Um, In terms of, uh, no. I don't, I don't know that we have seen that the union has taken a concession or anything, but I don't think the union is willing to do that. Um, their philosophy is record profits mean record contracts, and they did give up certain things. Uh, things did go away that they had prior to the bankruptcy, and, and the automakers are profitable, and they do want to see a return 
on, um, you know, on that. So, no, I can't say I've seen the union, uh, at least publicly, backed out on anything and, and give in to what the companies want at this point. Sure. Well, all right. There's nothing new under the sun, at least for the time being. Kaylee, we appreciate you helping us out today. We'll look forward to, to following you on this story. And, and Dave Rieger, we did this yesterday, obviously. The one, the one buzzword that I can't get past with this whole thing, and I, I do not want to take sides. It is not my role. What does record profits mean? Record profits to whom? Because stockholders aren't making any, hardly any money from these companies. And GM does not own GM. The stockholders own GM. They're a public company. So what does that mean to you? You know, we talked about this yesterday and it was a I didn't know a lot about uh, what you had explained to me because we were I was wondering about uh, the health insurance as compared to the to the pensions. And you had said that it's different for the salaried workers as compared to the people that are on the line. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you should maybe explain that to uh, to the listeners. I thought that was uh, enlightening. On people. I, I did not know uh, how how it all kind of broke well, down. And look, and the, the asterisk on this is that I am not a, a an expert by any stretch in union negotiations or how UAW collective bargaining, so on and so forth works. But I, I can tell you after 20 years of doing retirement and financial planning for people in the big three, Salary people working for, let's just use GM as the example. If Bob is an engineer at, at uh, General Motors and he makes a salary, let's call it $115,000, it's semi-entry level, whatever it might be, he gets his benefits from General Motors, he gets his health care. It's not, the health care is kind of a skeleton post-08. There's not a lot to it. He has to pay the first seven or $8,000 for him and his family kind of out of pocket before it kicks in. So essentially it's catastrophic coverage only. But he gets a salary and he gets some vacation time and he goes to an office and he's not, you know, bolting together parts and getting dirty. So there is certainly a differential between those two things if no other for no other reason but perception. One is a white collar, quote unquote, job and the other is more of a blue collar job. I've seen in my career a litany of men and women, but mostly men who are on the assembly line, for example, in some of the very big plants at these places. And they're there for 35, 40 years. They say, you know, I joined GM or I went to Chrysler right out of high school. And before I knew it, I was doing this. And then I was doing that. And now I'm a foreman in my shop. And that guy makes 115, 120 grand. And he's got vacation. And they didn't lose their health care like, you know, a lot of the salary people did, you know, especially in retirement, Medicare age and on, you know, post uh, post 08. So what I, I find hard to understand about this whole thing is when they say record profits mean record contracts. It is a bad look that the Mary Barra types of the world, the Jim Farleys, make $20, 30000000 million. But we talked about that yesterday. Same reason you pay Jared Goff $30 million right. and the girl serving your hot dog makes $8 or $9 an hour. That is the way of the world. I kind of get it, and we all have to make our peace with that to some degree. I just don't understand how this can continue to perpetuate. If, if I were to join GM or Ford or Chrysler and in three years be making the top mark wage that I could make, that's a pretty sweet deal. Right. The question is, can the company afford to do it? Because right. no and one's going to make any money if they go out of business. And the next time this market turns, and a lot of my automotive people who I've had in my office lately are telling me they still talk to the, the people that they used to work with you know, when they were in the workforce, and it does not look good in terms of the secular part of the automotive business. EVs are going to fundamentally change this whole market. And that's the that's like the uh, that's like the the one uh, the one point to this whole thing is can the people that have been working in the 
on the line this whole time, are they going to be able to to do to work with EVs? Yeah, and we don't know. And and we the don't, government has pushed that down. There we don't. Front. We don't know the answer to that. Right. If and, I'm an automaker, I'm being forced to make EVs and, under new right. guidelines federally. But it's a market that is still relatively unexplored. They're expensive. They don't sell nearly as well. There's a lot of question marks. So we should have uh, but, the, the but, fellow from the auto place on tomorrow to, to bring us up to speed on that. Yeah. But it is the future. Let's not let's not mistake anything. It It, it is the future, and we are going to have to accept it. Well, I suppose. But let me ask you a question. If you go buy an electric car tomorrow, what's powering that battery? The uh, electricity. You know, Where does that, the electricity come from? That's coming from the grid. You know, when you plug in and you you have a, like the charging station. And where does the grid get it? That's a good point. Fossil fuels, baby. Yep. yep. It's never going to go away. You can sugarcoat right. it all we want. Back in just a few minutes with Marie.